Welcome back to the Sports Medicine Orthopod. Anthony Yu here with Drew Burleson. And uh, we brought back our special guest, Dr. Adam Schiff, foot and ankle specialist from Loyola. Uh, Adam, welcome back. I forgot to tell you last time that um, your parting gift as our guest on the Sports Medicine Orthopod is a thousand thank yous. And so now we owe you 2,000 thank yous. And uh, you, have look, you have that to look forward to. Perfect. That, that and a free t-shirt is, is all I need from you guys. <laughs> I'm actually going to get you another big giant wooden foot to put in your office <laughs> with the uh, other giant wooden foot you have. For the listeners that don't know, imagine like about a, uh, wow, it's about a four foot wooden foot that looks like it belongs to a uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, it, it's about the only foot I know that makes Drew's foot look small. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've all hypothesized that Drew has some genetic disorder. Uh, he's too large of a human for uh, normal standards. There's something definitely wrong with you. I mean, due to the fact this is a podcast, I guess should, I'm I'm six six. I'm not like that big, but my feet are abnormally big. And uh, but <laughs> six six. Size 30 shoe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to start off today's show with uh, some fan mail. Uh, I got uh, one here, right? I hear I'm going to read. Uh, Dear sports orthopods, what is a sports orthopod? Love mom. Uh, guys, you want to um, you want to help me out that? What, what is an orthopod? Why is the name of this podcast so clever and creative? Pat the, Pat the guy in the back who came up with it, me. So an orthopod is essentially the uh, generic term used by other orthopedic surgeons and people in medicine to describe an orthopedic surgeon. Um, an ortho, it's clever because we call ourselves orthopods, but podcast, so the ortho, ortho short for orthopod, or orthopedics, orthopodcast. So very clever. Yeah. I love it. Um, and do you guys think it's a good sign that we have to describe on the air the meaning of the podcast title? <laughs> I mean, given the fact that multiple marketing people told me we should change the name of the title, uh, we, you know, given the fact that we're marketing, um, maybe we should uh, heed that advice. But again, no. maybe- jerk store, jerk store, <laughs> jerk store. <is> <laughs> we're going, we're going to jerk store. All right. So we're here to discuss the three injuries that the Miami Heat sustained yesterday in game one in the NBA finals. Before we get there, congratulations to my Oakland A's. Finally, close it out on, in a closeout game. It's been uh, 57 years since then. Too long. This is for Tim Hudson, Jason Giambi, uh, Brandon Moss, Ioannis Cespedes. We could go on for an hour, so I'm just going to stop there. But uh, on to the next one. Don't break my heart again. Uh, congratulations. How are your teams doing? I'm not sure you can consider a three-game series actually closing it out. Uh, if they win a five or seven game series, I, I think maybe they get a little bit of credit. Wow. The Reds um, cordially bat out of the playoffs today, um, losing to the Braves, but it, there's always next year. Hey, we made the playoffs this year. It's the first time in a long time. So we're taking steps in the right direction. Uh, we had, we had a rain out today. So that, that postponed the end of the season one more day. <laughs> so for so far, so good. All right. So um, yesterday, game one, uh, surprising. I, I actually had Miami winning that game and, uh, was not correct. Um, so we got Jimmy Butler ankle sprain, uh, what we call a garden variety ankle sprain. Cause it looks like he might actually play tomorrow. And I think there was this awesome sports medicine podcast that actually went over ankle sprains in episode two. Uh, so if you're confused about that, you should definitely check that out. 
Um, and Bam Adebayo looked like shoulder injury, um, but Drew, you were reading, it looks more like a neck type of thing, right? Yeah, what I was reading was they were talking about potentially a, a neck strain, and I think that can be a little bit confusing. Like, you know, how could this guy be uh, potentially questionable for game two with the, with the, of the NBA Finals with a neck strain? So I played basketball in college, um, and I, there was I remember straining my neck as well. And I mean, you could. I mean, I think we've all been in this situation where you've woken up like basically on the wrong side of the bed, and you have a crick in your neck, and your wife is looking at you like, "Why are you turning around so awkwardly?" <laughs> I mean, imagine amplifying this times about ten. I mean, I again, it's it's extraordinarily painful. I mean, to the point where you can't. I mean, everything you use your upper extremities for. I mean, it's it's painful and difficult to do. You can't turn. Um, again, I mean, like again with. The all the stuff they have, I mean, with injections and and massages, I mean, there's a there's a potential that he's back for game two, but I mean, I think that you can't definitely you can not underestimate how painful those uh, those neck strains can be. Yeah, and I think he is listed as uh, doubtful, which uh, would really hamper the Heat. Obviously, you know, boy, Anthony Davis really had his way without Bam. Uh, might be looking at a two um, zero Lakers lead. Uh, okay, so the, 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 I think, biggest question mark is um, Goran Dragic with the uh, plantar fascia tear. Um, I believe it's a partial tear. Um, but uh, if that sounds painful to you listeners, uh, I, th- I think it, it really is. And so uh, that's why we brought Adam back on, Dr. Schiff, to talk to us about what is the plantar fascia, why is it important, what do you think the chances he plays tomorrow is? What is the prognosis going forward? Yeah, thanks. Uh, plantar fascia tears are, are no fun at all. So I, I think most people understand the plantar fascia from plantar fasciitis, which is, you know, really common um, uh, pain people get in the heel, the bottom of their foot. Um, the plantar fascia is uh, essentially a connective tissue, almost a ligament, and, and it essentially connects your, your heel all the way to near your toes, and it helps support your arch. It, it's, it's an internal arch support, so to speak. And it, it can get inflamed, irritated. That's what plantar fasciitis is. And so every time you're stepping down, you step down on this really painful substance, painful arch. And, and this can bother people extensively. I think there've been a lot of players who've played through plantar fasciitis. Um, it's a chronic condition um, we, we see a lot in, in people with a uh, foot structure, the way a lot of NBA players have a high arch. Um, and, and that's, you know, a common and painful thing that seems to linger. A plantar fascia rupture is very different though. Uh, instead of it being chronically irritated with one step or one fall or one jump, that band actually just tears, um, and it can tear all the way across or it can tear partial. You could imagine if you tear this tear your arch all the way across it's it's incredibly painful uh every step you take you know you you've lost your arch support and it can't run you can't jump uh, i think many people remember uh peyton manning doing this a few years ago when he played for denver i think he missed four or six weeks with you know uh, basically a complete rupture uh, the only hope for this series is that this is not complete uh, and he's got a partial rupture if that's the case, uh, it's still incredibly painful. It's really inflamed on bruising on the bottom of his foot. He's not going to want to step or land awkwardly. But, you know, you can cushion a shoe, potentially give him a anti-inflammatory injection, and just try to suck it up and deal with the pain. It doesn't cause any structural damage. He's not going to do long-term damage by playing through it. It's just about pain tolerance. 
again, as you guys have said on other episodes, you know, we have no firsthand knowledge of what these guys have, but the rumor is, you know, he's walking out, out of a boot already. If that's the case, he's out of a boot and he's mildly comfortable. Uh, I, I think he's a go for game two or at, at least game three. Uh, if his tear is more substantial, if he's in a boot right now and he's having trouble walking on it, it's four to six weeks till he's back playing at a high level. So, I mean, so we have some professional athletes that listen to this podcast. I know I was talking to LeBron recently, and he said that he was really enjoying it. Um, but I would say the, the, the lion's share of the people who listen are, are not professional athletes, and they have – so the more common injuries they have are plantar fasciitis. Um, do you think – is there an association with having plantar fasciitis or potential – if people, people always talk about steroid injections, I mean, is there an association with, again, having plantar fasciitis or getting a steroid injection leading to a plantar fascia rupture? Yeah, a- absolutely, Drew. Uh, when, when you have plantar fasciitis and it's chronically inflamed, there's lots of things you can do for treatment. Somewhere in that line is a corticosteroid injection. We actually really discourage people from getting them until it's really unbearable um, because that side effect of it, it can cause a rupture. Um, if you rupture part of your plantar fascia, it actually will alleviate your plantar fasciitis. The, the band is tight. It ruptures, it gains its length, and usually goes away. The problem is when it ruptures completely, you can see the arch drop or collapse. And uh, that's a big reason why we try to avoid injections for, for chronic plantar fasciitis. Uh, in, in these situations with athletes who don't have plantar fasciitis beforehand, if it just ruptures, they tend not to lose their arch structure. They tend just to have a lot of pain, and it usually heals in a good position. Um People with plantar fasciitis, they, they almost want to have a partial rupture. And that's what the surgery is for people who really don't get better is you can release the plantar fasciitis. You cause a partial rupture. Uh, so for a lot of people who have plantar fasciitis, rupture is not a bad thing. If you don't have symptoms and you just rupture because you're playing competitive basketball, this is an incredibly painful thing to have. You said that you would lose some of your arch. Is there any role of surgery to repair the plantar fascia or to – does that get you back any faster or does that help uh, provide any sort of support to your arch? Yeah, there's very little that can be done surgically uh, for these ruptures. They, you know, this is, this is thick tissue. It's not, it doesn't have any elasticity. It doesn't move nice and, and trying to repair it. It just ends up with a lot of scar tissue. It makes people really stiff. So there's really no role for, for surgery for this. It just, it's time and uh, anti-inflammatory medicine I think you'll see these people get injections, um, uh, you know, whether it's an anti-inflammatory medication um, that they're injecting in there, uh, PRP or stem cells have been used, steroids have been used. Um, I, I think for a player in the NBA finals, you're going to throw everything you can and more at this. I mean, this is, this is their chance right now. Um, might be their only chance for a while. You, know, you never know what's going to happen in a season. So uh, I think you'll throw everything at it. If it's early in the year, though, you just got to wait. You just got to take the time and, and recover. So, you know, if this is a middle of the season, he's out four to six weeks, no question. Uh, in, in the playoffs, though, you, you hope you just, you hope it's not a severe case and he can get back right away. So we'll put you on the hot seat. Dr. Schiff, does Goran Dragic play tomorrow? Your future on the show depends on the accuracy of this prediction. Go. Well, we're going to have to record a couple more before tomorrow just in case I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, but uh, if it's true that he was seen walking outside of it, I, I bet he shows up tomorrow at least for a little while. And, and you could see you know, him kind of being in the role of uh, 
coming off the bench and trying to score a couple quick baskets or, you know, in crunch time, I bet he doesn't start. I bet he sits out and depending on how he warms up and how they need him, they might throw him in. Uh, but I would bet he's back for game three. So right. you, mentioned a, you mentioned a steroid injection. What is the difference between why would you recommend this for someone who's going to play in the NBA finals versus why would you discourage this from someone who a weekend warrior who tore their plantar fascia, who came to your office on Monday and said they tore their plantar fascia. What, why, why, why the difference in treatments for those two types of people? Well, I, you know, I think you two can speak better than me about, uh, professional athlete coverage, um, just outside of foot ankle, but there's a lot of things we do for professional athletes, um, that in the short term may give them benefit, but in the long term may give them harm, uh, or, at least unknowing what it's going to do in the long term. I mean, in these athletes, um, it's amazing what they go through knees, shoulders, you know, the arthritis they get. Uh, it's far more than what you'd want in, in a normal population. But what, what they're playing for, the stakes are so high, right? They're playing for that one chance to be the best in the world, those big contracts, um, their teammates who've put, you know, their whole life into it. And so, you know, in a professional athlete, you're looking for anything you can do to try to get these people back um, with without regard for the long term uh, or, or with less re- regard for the long term. Um, and, and so a corticosteroid injection has got a lot of side effects, particularly in, in a soft tissue like this. You know, it's not good for the good, healthy tissues around it. Um, you've got incredible padding in your foot. That's what you step on. And injections can cause that to dissolve or atrophy and that's that's a condition you can't treat in the future if that happens it's rare but it can happen and each subsequent injection increases that risk so you know for our normal everyday people that's that's not a risk that we like to take that, that those side effects are, are, are severe and it can really ruin their quality of life when you're playing for the trophy that you might only get once that most players don't ever get the opportunity to have but that one big contract, sometimes you put it all on the line uh, and, and just with uh, blatant disregard for the long term. And I, I think those are things that ha- we, you know, we take into account on, on athletes um, uh, for better or worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think what you're talking about is like we like almost everything, whether or not you, you realize this or not, is a risk benefit analysis in regards to what you're doing. So for a professional athlete, the, there, there is risk. I mean, definitely of all the things you talked about. The benefit, on the other hand, is, I mean, a very substantial benefit. You know, talking about you know, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play in the NBA Finals versus contracts. But, I mean, again, I mean, for the normal person, the benefit may not be quite as substantial. So, again, like in regards to if you're, you know, envisioning a risk-benefit analysis as a scale, what's going to tip it one way versus the other, I think there are certain, you know, aspects on both sides for that are that are different for professional athletes versus the you know weekend warrior that we see who has these types of injuries who walks into our clinic. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know that the calculus for the decision making changes a lot for that pro athlete or somebody who's aspiring to be the pro athlete. I, I know I've uh, come across a number of uh, you know college players getting ready for the combine, and uh, you don't treat them like um, you know their their college classmates who who aren't going to be at the combine and don't have a future in professional football. Um, you, you make the decisions to get them ready and as pain-free as possible so they can do their best at the combine. And it's kind of like, you know, consequences in the future be damned. Um, but, but in the, for this particular individual, 
that that's the sacrifice uh, you and 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 they want you to make uh, that that patient um, because obviously their livelihood depends on it. I think with, without teasing future topics, uh, you know, you two have so so much experience with professional athletes and such high level play. I, I think uh, you know being HIPAA compliant, uh, you know, stories of taking care of high level athletes is, uh, you know, something you guys should talk about in the future. It's, um, I, I think it's very different than what normal sports medicine is and very different what most people imagine. Uh, you know, I only have a taste of it in foot ankle. I think doing everything is a lot different, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a whole different world, um, with these athletes, you know, these guys are the elite, you know, they're the, the Rangers and the Navy SEALs of the sports world. And they're, they're, they're different than us mere mortals. Um, uh, I, you know, I think a good example of that is what's happened recently, you know, um, look at the chargers and, and, uh, Tyrod Taylor, you know, allegedly has, you know, rib fractures and he gets a injection to try to deal with the pain so he can play and, uh, you know, try and do the right thing. Unfortunately, he gets a, you know, collapsed lung or pneumothorax, um, probably from, from an injection. Uh, again, we don't know for sure. It's just what's being reported. Um, and that's, that's something that we don't typically do for n- normal people. We don't put needles near lungs when there's so much rotting on it. Sometimes we t- you take a little bit more risk. It often works out well. And this is probably an example, unfortunately that didn't, you know, I give them a lot of credit. They, they came out and said, you know, doctors doing the right thing. We, this is what we ask for is what we try to do as athletes, but it's a, it's a really tough situation to be in as a physician. Um, you know, do you do what's right for the athlete? Do you put more risk? Where, where, where do you draw that? I think these are, these are a lot of the ethical concerns with sports medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I think there's a lot of sh- shared decision-making that takes place. I mean, you know, it's not, I think in, in working with professional athletes, I, I like there's, it's all, it's all shared decision-making. I mean, you're, I, I, I think that you're never going to, put the long-term future of the, of the player at risk for even any short-term period. But I mean, again, it's, it's shared decision-making and then and also contemplating those those risks and the benefits and knowing that they are, they do exist. But I mean, understanding what the potential, if the potential risks outweigh, I'm sorry, the potential benefits do outweigh those risks. I mean, I think that's how a lot of, a lot of the decisions are made. I think that's a great point, and that's that's definitely I think the way we view things these days. Uh, you guys can test that's not the way it used to be. I mean, you look at the world of concussions. I mean, you know, in the seventies, and when we didn't know what these things were, it's, you go right back out there, and that's why I think unfortunately we see some of the injuries that we've seen. So, oh boy, uh, I remember I was uh, I remember sitting there having a discussion with Howie Long a couple of years ago, back when I was in my training, and he was telling the story about how he tore his hamstring. And to get him back to play, I think that he told he told the story about how they basically taped this bicycle inner tube tire to his hamstring to recreate it, and then just basically taped that around his leg to recreate his hamstring. And obviously, didn't work out too well. But I mean, the 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 way the you know sports medicine was uh, practiced back you know years ago is very different than than how it is now. Or then remember in Varsity Blues when they wanted to inject the running back at halftime with cortisone, and then James Vanderbeek was like, "No, don't do that." Man, that was awesome. <laughs> you're you're yeah. aging yourself, Anthony. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's wrap it up. Uh, Adam, always good to have you on. Drew, always good seeing you. Adam, we'll be happy to have you back uh, again uh, for the next foot and ankle related injury. Uh, you know, there's so many fun foot ankle related injuries, and we're talking about 
plan or fashion, you know, not, oh, that, yeah. not that, not that we wish injury upon anybody, but let's get a Jones fracture or something out here. Oh, I, mean, I can't wait to start talking about diabetic foot infection. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Thanks for being on. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at sports orthopods. If you have an injury you want us to discuss, send us an email, sportsorthopods at gmail.com. Mom and Dad, thanks for listening. See you next time.